Hello and welcome. This is Hollis McGehee, and we are picking up with our series of messages presented by Follow Him Ministries, looking through the book of Philippians. Today we're in chapter 1. We will look at verses 19 through 30. Let's pray, and then we'll read those verses. Heavenly Father, we are here as your children. We're here to hear from you, to see you in your living word. Change us, transform us into Christ-likeness as we intersect with your word and your presence led by the Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul is writing from prison about 60 A.D. He's in a prison in Rome, chained to a Roman soldier. He's writing to the church at Philippi who've been very supportive of him and who've been very helpful of him and worked with him and he with them. And he is thanking them for what they've done and he's also inviting and asking them to pray for him as he has prayed for them. And so that's what he's speaking of when he starts this section. And, and of course, we're picking up in the middle of this, and this is a letter. It was originally written as a letter. We call it a book of the Bible, and it is the inspired word of God. But he's letting, he's letting them know that he rejoices, and they know his circumstances. They know that he's not only in prison, but they all know that he's going to die. The chances that he won't die are very, very slim. And, of course, we know in retrospect that they were none. He said, I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, meaning the Holy Spirit, this will turn out for my deliverance. 
what will turn out for his deliverance. His imprisonment will turn out for his deliverance. The very chains with which he was chained to a Roman soldier would turn out for his deliverance. Now, nobody seeing that circumstance would say, wow, he's, he's free, isn't he? He's, he's being delivered. It didn't look like that with the natural eyes. But God doesn't work through things the way that we think of. You know, you think of God says things like, uh, he who would be first would be last. He who would be uh, free would be the servant of all. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to be a servant. So God's way of delivering us is not our way of doing it. So he was confident. Why was he confident? It had nothing to do with who was holding him or anything about himself. His confidence was in God himself. Paul was confident and sure that God was going to work this out. Uh, Paul had an inside track on having uh, remembered that in his letter to the church at Rome, which is the inspired word of God, he said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work out for the good that they might be conformed to the image of Christ. In other words, he, he knew that this would work out for good. He said, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He's making it plain that he understands that he expects to, to be put to death, but he doesn't want to be ashamed, and he doesn't want to bring shame to, to the kingdom of God and to the body of Christ. And so he said, it's my eager expectation and hope. And hope, as we've said before, is not used in the way that, that we normally use it. We almost substitute it for the word wish. I wish that I would be there on time. I hope that I will be there on time. But hope in, in the biblical sense most often, if not always, refers to a sure thing. So he had a sure hope and expectation, an eager expectation in God that God would accomplish through him what God set out to accomplish. And it is that, that God would be honored, that Jesus Christ would be honored in his body, in his life while he was in chains as he proclaimed the gospel, and in his death as he stood strong in Christ right to the end. And then he spells it out plainly. He said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is, that, that as long as I'm alive and serving then I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. And when I die, to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. Like Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So Paul knew that they didn't hold anything over him. They could come take his life right then, and he knew that he was going to be with Christ immediately that day upon the, the happening of his physical death. His spirit would not die. His body would be laid in the ground to be resurrected later. Um, so he, he was comfortable and, and even eager to, as he went forward because he expected for things to go well. And then he said, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. 
Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. He said, I'm hard-pressed between the two. He, he's having a hard time deciding whether he'd rather be dead or alive. Not many people have that attitude, do they? But Paul understood what it means, just what we just said, that, that he was not death had no hold on him, that it was just a part of life, and it was a part of life that, that transitioned from life in the, in the temporary to life in the eternal place that he had with God. He said, I don't know which one I want to do, but he said, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And we should all feel that way, that, that until God calls us home, and that'll be in his perfect timing, and we can trust that timing, we need to be about the Father's business. Jesus said, behold, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, uh, commanding them to do all the things that I have commanded you. And he said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Paul is saying, convinced of this, I'm going to continue with you guys, and I'm going to work it for your progress and your joy in the faith. You know, the truth is that the stronger our faith becomes, the more joy we have in the body of Christ, in our trusting in Christ, because we know that, that the circumstances that surround us don't tell the true story of what our life is right now and what it will be later. Verse 26, he said, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again, that that they would look forward to what they would gain in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ if Paul came. But he said, but wait a minute, in verse 27, regardless, he said, let the manner of your life, let how you live, how you think, how you act, how you speak, let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. How can it be worthy of the gospel of Christ? to keep our eyes on Christ, to follow Christ, to trust in Christ, to know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we want to let our, our life, manner of life, be worthy of the gospel, just as Paul was calling the church at Philippi to do. He said, so that in order that when I come, or whether I come or not, that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What is the report we hear about one another? Are we hearing that we're standing strong in the faith, that we're not falling away, that we're not going anywhere? That needs to be the report of each of us, and that needs to be the report of local churches to other churches, and then we're mutually encouraged by that. He said, not frightened in anything by your opponents. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We don't need to fear the world around us. He said, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. We stand in the face of opposition and, and we do it in love. We don't do it in defiance. We do it in trust in God, not in trusting in ourselves. And when we do that, it's a sign to the other people, wow, we, we've missed something, and people are yet ready to 
come to a place of salvation to receive the gift that God offers by grace, by his gift through faith. And that is, that is from God. In other words, to put our trust, their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, now some things are going to happen. He said in verse 29, it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you're not only going to believe in him, but you're also going to suffer for his sake. He knew that they would in, in, endure much uh, persecution. And there's persecution going on in the world today. Even in this country, you're persecuted in the sense of being ostracized, but there's much more uh, violent and more severe uh rejection in other places in the world, persecution. But if you follow hard after Christ, you're going to suffer for his sake. He said, you're going to be engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. In other words, we need to expect and know that there will be troubles in this life. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. Amen. Heavenly Father, plant these seeds in our heart and may they grow to fruition. May we become the Christ followers you've called us to be. May we become less and he become more. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.